This is a disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm not here with my co-host, Lee. I'm Lee, and I'm not here with my co-host, Peter. And I'm equally not here, or perhaps more so not here, with our mm-hmm. special guest, Craig from Canadian History X. Hey, we get to, good to be back. Oh, hey, good to have you back. back. Yeah. Very excited. You always, <laughs> you always, you always devastate us in a very uniquely Canadian way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> Polite devastation. No one does it better. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you don't know who Craig is, he hosts an amazing podcast called Canadian History X and a bunch of other gr- uh, growing ensemble of amazing podcasts, including from John to Justin, which is uh, <laughs> sort of a history of our prime ministers. Really? Yeah, yeah. If great. you want to know anything or everything about Canada. Check out Canadian History X and all associated projects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are there other projects <laughs> that I'm missing, Craig? Uh, well, the, the main one, Canadian History X, and then uh, from John to Justin, which yeah. uh, which is going to transition now into the opposition leaders because everybody really enjoys it. Yeah, yeah. And then nice. um, I just started Canada's Great War, which looks at the First World War. Right. Mm. And then in June, I start up uh, Coast to Coast, which is a look at the building of the Transcontinental Railway. Awesome. Oh, cool. So Man. see, I wasn't I wasn't joking. If you want to know everything there is to know about Canada, exactly. subscribe <laughs> to all of those. Yeah. Close your high school history books and listen to that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, we're very excited to have you here. Before we dive in, uh, this might surprise you, but I'm going to do some housekeeping. If you're no. new here, welcome. We recommend starting at the beginning because we'll do callbacks. I'm not sure if there's that many in this episode because I'm not sure if Craig has gone to the trouble of you know, earmarking every episode where we talk about <laughs> something that he might have talked about before, but uh, I'll try and be on the ball. So, and if you get through all those and you liked what you heard, the best thing you can do to help us out is to tell a friend to listen. You can also subscribe wherever you listen and leave a rating or review. Those are super helpful. You can check out our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com and keep up with us on social media at This Disaster Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And finally, you can become a patron on our Patreon dot com slash this disaster pod where you get tons of bonus content discount codes on merch such as the shirts that we have for pre-order right now and uh and the like and i think that's pretty much all i had to say so i'm just gonna shut up and let craig take it away craig all right all right so in the past i've brought you you know a giant explosion the mountain mm-hmm. falling on an entire town cannibalism in the arctic yeah i wasn't <laughs> joking you always come and ruin us <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping this does too because i'm gonna be talking about some well essentially just a tornado uh which you know happens quite a bit especially in the united states mm-hmm. but this was a big one and it hit in edmonton so i'm gonna kind of kick things off with giving you a look at edmonton in the 1980s uh there were four major events that happened in Edmonton in the 80s. The Edmonton Oilers won their four Stanley Cups in five years. Mm -hmm. Wayne Gretzky got married. Wayne Gretzky got (laughs) traded. And the Edmonton tornado happened on July 31st, 1987. <laughs> oh, man. I get the feeling that hockey is important in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah it tends to be. There, you know, there's a statue for Gretzky and everything, and we tend okay. to take it very seriously. So the uh, 80s the- was essentially... Hockey. That's it. And then the tor- and the tornado. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also, it off I also know very little about hockey, but I do recognize that you're wearing an Oilers hat. So I am. Yep. <laughs> Heading to the playoffs. Got to represent. And, and nice. I'm wearing a you know. A, a, oh hey. A, this is a disaster shirt. <coughs> One of our shirts. 
in no way was I coerced into having to wear this to be on the show or anything like that. This is my own free will. (laughs) The shirt. (laughs) It's a great shirt. So, you know, if, yeah, I know you guys have them out for pre-orders, so Mm -hmm. get them. Awesome. Thanks. Um, So anyways, we'll start with a tornado sidebar. So the first recorded tornado in Canadian history was in 1792 when a tornado hit Port Robinson, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then the first recorded tornado in Alberta's history was on August 14th, 1907 near Vermilion, which is about two hours east of Edmonton, and it killed three children and destroyed an entire farm. Damn. Mm. Although kind of localized. Sad, yeah. I mean, obviously sad about the children. Yeah. Kind of nice that it only hit one farm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just unfortunate like, that there was three children on that farm. It sucks, yeah, because yeah. I would imagine yeah. the farms would be few and far between, so. Especially yeah. back then, that's yeah. Kind of, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of some shitty luck. <laughs> between 1915 and 2020, there have been 167 tornadoes recorded in Alberta, and the majority of those recorded uh, between 1980 and 2020. That doesn't mean that there's more tornadoes now. It's mm-hmm. just we have a higher population density so we we have better reporting we have satellites so we know more tornadoes hitting the ground even if there's no way around right uh there's been three major tornadoes from 1950 to 1980 that was in 1950 1966 1972 and in the 1972 tornado three people died so you know there tends to be a trend where people do die unfortunately in these things and in threes yeah they seem to um in 2019, 20 tornadoes were recorded in Alberta, and they were all F0. And then over the course of the past century, there have been 64 F0s, 28 F1s, 5 F2s, 4 F3s, and 1 F4. And you're probably wondering, what am I talking about with these Fs? Hey, Craig, what are you, what are you talking about with those Fs? I was also going to ask about the Fs. I am glad you both asked about that, because yeah. it's very important <laughs> to this whole discussion. Because Good. Not, not all tornadoes are created equal. So okay. Okay. Uh, essentially uh, what it is, it's the enhanced Fujita scale, and it shows us how intense a tornado is. So an F0 is 104 kilometers an hour to 136 kilometer hour winds. And then from there, it goes up to F1, which peaks at 177 kilometers an hour. F2 is 217 kilometers an hour. F3 is 265 kilometers per hour. And F4 is 321 kilometers per hour. So just imagine trying to like stand in, I know it's hard for me in like 100 kilometers an hour, you're fighting against the wind. And you're not even at like the beginning of an F0. You still got to go up a few. And then there's an F5, which is 322 kilometers an hour or higher, which is just a monster Ugh. storm. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, the highest wind speed ever recorded in a tornado was on May 31st, 2013 in El Reno, Oklahoma, with a staggering 541 kilometers an hour. Which- Whoa! Oh my What's God. What's the speed of sound? It's just tearing everything up. Yeah. 1,200, I think. Okay, so it's not coming close to that, but still, but, but it, yeah, almost halfway there. It'll take your hat off for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take your face off pretty much. <laughs> um, so El Reno, Oklahoma is a place I will never live because they also have the second strongest tornado in history, which happened only two years previous on May 24th, 2011, when there was 476 kilometers an hour. Jesus. The wind really does roll down the plane in Oklahoma, am I right? <laughs> One of the flyover states. Right, right. Yeah. Skip it. Yeah. So of the 10 deadliest tornadoes in Canadian history, two have hit Alberta, one Saskatchewan, five in Ontario, and two mm. in Quebec. Really? Mm. In Ontario? 
Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that like they think a tornado is mostly hitting Alberta, Saskatchewan, maybe Manitoba, but Ontario actually gets the same amount on average as the prairies do. And because I think you guys have a higher population, that ends up causing more deaths, uh, especially early on, uh, you know, before we had Doppler radar and things like that. Yeah. Well, we got our fair share um, right. a few years ago there. Um, I'm missing 2018 or 19. 20, yeah, so, right. so I think I know the one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there were several tornadoes within, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, and they caused quite a bit of damage. Yeah, and you guys have such a, you know, your population is so dense in southern Ontario. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alberta averages about eight to 14 tornadoes, and that's the same amount that Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario uh, tend to receive. And then in all, Jeez. we have about 100 tornadoes a year in Canada, um, but it could be higher because some tornadoes hit low density areas or touch down where people don't see them, but right, it's about right. an average of 100. The United States has 1,274 tornadoes per year on average, which is by far the most in the world. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> Number one again. Yeah. USA. <laughs> uh, the United Kingdom actually has the most per area per year with mm-hmm. 1.4 or with 0.14 per 1,000 kilometers. So they don't have many, okay. but because they're a smaller country, it, it tends to be right. Right. a higher density. For some reason, I just don't equate tornado with UK. Well, exactly. Fair, it doesn't happen I, often. I didn't really equate it with Canada either. But I'm learning that <laughs> not so much, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it seems like a uniquely American thing for no reason. Like it could happen anywhere. Why go? Why wouldn't it? But I guess it's yeah, the tornado alley thing, and we always hear yeah, that about them, exactly. But... Yeah, they have a, yeah. a literal <laughs> part of the country named for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, the... like, not a bloody tornado. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, they can essentially happen anywhere, but it's yeah, it's very rare that it's anywhere other than North America or some other area. And then Canada's last tornado death was actually in 2018 in a tornado in Alonza, Manitoba. So it's not actually super strong or super uh, common that somebody will die. Right, right. Uh, In Alberta, 90% of the strongest tornadoes hit between June 1st and August 15th. But we've had no tornadoes as early as February and as late as November. Mm. I've never seen a tornado. I don't think I've ever seen a funnel cloud. And I've lived in Alberta for the bulk of my life, right. Uh, actually right near Edmonton. So it's not like you see these things on a regular basis. Right. Okay. That's disappointing. But when they do strike in Alberta, they, <laughs> they tend to strike between Edmonton and Calgary, which mm-hmm. is kind of the middle of the country or the middle of the province. And right. then sometimes down near Medicine Hat, which is in the Southeast corner of uh, Alberta. Mm-hmm. And since 1907, 50 people have died due to tornadoes in Alberta, and over half of those came from one single storm. Oh, oh. damn. Too bad we're mm. not talking about that one today. You should talk about that one today. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to talk about the uh, farmhouse that killed three children. I'm not going to talk oh. about the oh. giant tornado that, ki- that hit Edmonton. <laughs> Who wants to hear about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> July 1987, Edmonton's riding high. The Edmonton Oilers have just won the Stanley Cup. The Edmonton yeah, Eskimos yeah. are on their way to winning their 10th Grey Cup. Everybody's oh, feeling great and the weather is really nice and warm uh in late july 1987 a low pressure system is sitting in southwestern british columbia and it's Mm -hmm. feeding hot uh, warm and humid air into alberta and uh that i know what it's like um in in ontario the times i've been out there you tend to get very humid out in alberta Mm -hmm. it's not a very common thing we don't get a lot of humidity we get a lot of dry heat uh which is nice at night because it it cools down quite a bit 
Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so in late July 1980, or the weather map showed that there was a weak low pressure system uh, over central Alberta at the Earth's surface, and then at the higher levels of the atmosphere, there was a strong flow coming in from the southwest. And this mm-hmm. tends to be common in Alberta in the summer. It's why we tend to get some pretty significant thunderstorms, even if they don't produce tornadoes. Mm-hmm. And then the southerly flow uh, pools the warm and moist air against the Rocky Mountains, and then the low pressure system starts to provide the lift for the thunderstorms to develop in the foot hills so where i am in stony plain which is about half an hour west of edmonton if you look in the horizon on hot days you'll start to see clouds in the distance and they'll grow and grow and grow as they get closer to you because i'm looking towards the foothills and there'll be really small storms there but by the time they reach you you're getting a pretty decent storm because it's been fueled by the heat of the day over the prairie Okay. Okay. This produced a week of strong thunderstorms in the province. It also produced 14 tornadoes that week between July 25th and July 30th, but they were all F0 to F2s uh, in southern Alberta and northern Alberta, which, I mean, they're still strong storms, but they're not like, they're like those, they're like those rope kind of uh, tornadoes that you'll see. They're not 500 kilometers strong. Come on. Five kilometers an hour. Strong. Yeah, come on. <laughs> we actually most people most uh, of those tornadoes were actually not even discovered by the Alberta Weather Center until days or weeks later, <laughs> by talking to witnesses, looking at physical evidence of where the tornadoes would have hit, and then they were classified as tornadoes. So it, one actually took a few years before they added another tornado in there. <laughs> Just in talking to people, like it was a tornado. Oh, it was a tornado. Okay, add another one to the list. I guess. <laughs> Last year. During that week, the dew point was 20 degrees Celsius. And so the dew point measures the atmospheric moisture and it shows the temperature at which air must be cooled to condense to make clouds. The higher the dew point, the more moisture that's in the air. So for Alberta, a 20 degree dew point is insane. Like it's very rare that it would happen here uh, right. just because we don't get that humidity uh, that you would in like BC or even uh, on the Great Lakes. Yeah. Yeah, we get our fair share. Yeah, you guys get way more than we do. Uh, July 31st, a cold front develops over western Alberta, and it collides with that warm, moist air that has lingered for the week. So if you think of Tornado Alley, from how I understand it, you have that warm, moist air from the Gulf of Mexico that goes up north, Mm -hmm. and then you have the cold air, which sometimes they call an Alberta clipper, that goes Mm -hmm. down, and it meets right smack dab in the you know, the, the Great Plains where that's mm. where Tornado Alley is. That's Kansas, Oklahoma, those areas. And that's why right. they tend to have way more uh, tornadoes than anywhere else in the world, like by I, a massive margin. If I remember correctly, I think a similar phenomenon is also responsible for things like the polar vortex. Yes, actually. Oh, yeah. Just like we discussed in episode 22 about the Great Blizzard of 1888. Oh, you're like a encyclopedia for your own podcast. All right, right off the top of my head, every time. Mm. <laughs> it's like looking behind the curtain, because when I listen, I'm like, wow, Peter remembers all of those <laughs> episodes, like, perfectly. The guy's in the same memory. Does. This is a rare occasion when he did. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I promise. At this point, again, we're nearing 100 episodes. I can, I can forget some of the early ones, right? <laughs> yeah. I think you were good up until the first 50. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forecasters stated there was a risk of severe thunderstorms, and they described that they could be violent. And uh, soon enough, on July 31st, 1987, the first severe watches appeared late in the morning, and they would continue through the early afternoon in central Alberta. Hmm. And okay. a line of... St- 
line of storms began to move from the foothills near Calgary, um, moving northeast and then stretch from Sangudo to Pinoca, which is a distance of about 162 kilometers. So it's moving to the northeast. Uh, where I live is actually smack dab in the middle of that. So okay. if, it, if I'd have been there in 1987, I would have seen the storms going over. Uh, were, you, were you alive at this point? Or were you one years old? Yeah, I, I was born in Alberta and I lived here for the first couple years. And then we, we lived in BC until I was nine. So mm-hmm. I came okay. back here in 1989. And then I've lived in Alberta for the most part for most of my life. Okay, so you weren't even in the province. No, I wasn't in the province when this happened. <laughs> right. gotcha. Nice. No personal account from. Craig. No, exactly. Like I would right. have remembered it anyways. <laughs> um, at 1:40 p.m., a severe weather watch was issued for Edmonton, the surrounding area. And as everybody knows, a weather watch means that there's potential for storms. And then at 2:45 p.m., the watch was upgraded to a warning, which means there is storms; they are coming. So mm-hmm. prepare yourself. And the mm-hmm. the system was actually moving very fast; it was moving at 70 kilometers per hour, which is a pretty decent speed for uh, for a storm to move, especially over the prairies. Okay. okay. Uh, so soon after, a violent cell began to rapidly develop, and it turned northward towards Edmonton, the capital of Alberta, home of Wayne Gretzky. Oh boy! As no. Everybody knows in the 80s. <laughs> Not the great one. <laughs> Yes. But he's on his way to LA. He's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's, that's why he left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> so at 2.59 p.m., Tom Taylor is inside his house near Leduc, which is just south of Edmonton, and he starts hearing clunking on his roof, and the shingles start making noise because the wind's starting to hit them. So he's mm. trying to figure out what's going on. So he goes outside, and he looks up, and he sees a funnel cloud moving over his house, heading towards the city. And he's the first person to see this tornado that's going to be a, a terrible tornado. But it's well up into the clouds. It would still freak the hell out of me to look right. up to yeah, see yeah, this yeah. tornado spinning above me. I'd, oh, I'd yeah. lose God, it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, tornadoes are terrifying. It's so helpless. Like, yeah, what are you going to I know. I can't. Just, what am I going to build it? Nope, nothing. Nope. Just... Hold on to your butts. If if you like prayers, then say one of those. (laughs) If not, then just, you know, clench your teeth, I guess. Hope for the best. Yeah. 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 Uh, So that tornado was a thin rope tornado, but it Mm -hmm. dissipated pretty quickly. So he kept watching and he said, quote, as I watched to the northeast towards Beaumont, the belly of the cloud suddenly slumped down and it spit out a huge funnel, much larger. And it was so dense that he couldn't see through the funnel. So Mm -hmm. just after it passes his house, this tornado forms and touches down. Oh, boy. It touches down near Beaumont, which is also just south of Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And it begins to pick up granaries and farm equipment and toss them around like (laughs) absolutely nothing. Another reason to be terrified of tornadoes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) just pick up this granary that it took us months to build. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Smash. (laughs) Throw that over there. Four minutes later, a tornado warning is issued in Edmonton because there is a tornado coming straight for the city. So you might as well warn people uh, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably a good call. That's what I do. Uh, So the tornado was moving to the southeast portion of the city, and it was what was called a multi-vortex tornado. So you had the big tornado, and then within Mm -hmm. the tornado, you had all these other little tornadoes inside. So no, 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 no. no. Tornadoception. No thanks. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I don't want it. I don't want my tornado birthing other tornadoes. No. Uh, So by by this point, the tornado is classified as between F two and F three. So it's starting to build in strength. It's getting to be a serious, (laughs) serious situation. 
Yeah. It would move across the Mill Woods neighborhood, which is in the southeast. And as the tornado passed, the fire department had to come in afterwards and rescue 20 people from collapsed buildings and damaged vehicles. A total of 32 homes were damaged, and the hail falling in the neighborhood was measured at 10 centimeters or 4 inches. So it, if that hit you, it would definitely, it would hurt a bit. It's like getting hit in the head yeah. with a golf ball. That fell from the sky. Oh, my God. (laughs) So then it comes to the Sherwood Park Freeway, and it starts moving towards what's called Refinery Row. This is the industrial area of Edmonton that's on the far east side. And at this point, it's been upgraded to an F4 tornado, which is extremely intense. And once it hits the industrial area, it just starts picking up oil tanks. It levels several buildings. It throws trailers all uh, all over the area. It scatters debris across the area and it, it's Holy just tearing crap. this entire industrial area up oh my god <laughs> do you run do you just stand there stand slack jog <laughs> yeah what do you do you like, just hope you're in a strong building i guess yeah i guess <laughs> dig a hole and fill it in over yourself <laughs> i get the same vibes as like from a tsunami basically it's just a, it's yeah. a literal force of nature where it's like well nothing you know nothing we can't prepare for this and and you might think like, oh, okay, well, it's a tornado. I just got to run that way. But this tornado yeah. at its biggest is 1.3 kilometers wide. So, oh, my, my God. God. Maybe if you have a car, <laughs> you can get out of the way, but you're probably dealing with a lot of other people doing the same. And there's no yeah. way you're running out of the way of that thing. It's just, it's nope. sweeping over the landscape. Holy crap. I mean, I like to think I give it my best college try at the run. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> Just the Probably most pathetic display. No, <laughs> oh, definitely not. <laughs> At this point, the wind speed is about 331 kilometers per hour, and the tornado is sending debris moving through the air at roughly 144 to 209 kilometers per hour. So, so if faster it, than driving on the highway. Yeah, so yeah, a two-by-four yeah, yeah, yeah. hitting you at that speed is going to... It's going to leave a mark. On the ground that used to be <laughs> your face. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so by this point, it's theorized due to looking at the, the grass scouring and the windrowing of debris, uh, mm. along with the damage that it caused, that the tornado might have been a borderline F5, but it was never classified as such. Uh, there's only mm. actually been one F5 in Canadian history that's actually been okay. recorded, and that was in Manitoba in 2007. Oh, um, wow, really? That's yeah, pretty in, recent. In contrast, 59 F5s have been recorded in the United States since 1950. So okay. almost one a year. All right. It's that hey. alley, man. So, it is. So, so nature hates the United States is what we're saying. <laughs> At oh, least the Great Plains. Yeah. Oh, my it God. Does. It sure does. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, at, at its height, it's believed the tornado reached 420 kilometers per hour in wind speed, which would be just at the threshold of being an F5. Okay. Jeez. Didn't quite. Mm, it's it disappointing. Tried. It tried so hard. Yeah. I mean, B plus tornado. F4 is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could have been an F5. Could have been the first F5 and you didn't do it, man. As the tornado moved towards uh, the North Saskatchewan River, it started to weaken a bit, but it was still an F3 or F or F2 or F3, uh, even mm-hmm. at that point. So it was still very dangerous. Still a twirling nightmare. Exactly. Still, it's going to scare the living hell out of you if you see it. Yeah. <laughs> so it hits the Clairview neighborhood where one man and two women were rescued from a collapsed building, and 10 people total would be injured there. And then natural gas okay. leaks occurred after the tornado passed through, which caused fires, uh, not unlike <sighs> the London fire of whatever episode that was. That was episode three, Great Fire of London. Oh, there you go. Classic. Also makes me think of episode 31 about the Johnstown flood, the mm-hmm. flood that kind of took everything <laughs> with it and just left a trail of devastation. I remember that. That was not nice. 
So, yeah. so in the Clareview area, 463 homes are damaged and 37 are just completely destroyed. Oh, at 4 p.m., it hit several northeast Edmonton neighborhoods and caused heavy damage. And then it saw something it really liked, and it zeroed in on the Evergreen oh. Mobile Home Park. I, I was oh, going to guess. Come on. I knew it. <laughs> come on, tornado. Cliché. Not only was it not an <laughs> F5, it also went for the cliché. It did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Ugh, imagine, you know, at least in your house, you get in the basement. So imagine you're in a mobile home and this giant yeah. tornado is moving towards you. Nowhere to go. There's nothing you can do. Nope. Yeah. Nowhere to yeah. go. So it nope. hits that neighborhood and it destroys 200 mobile homes in the process. <sighs> and the, that home park actually accounts for over half the deaths of the tornado because 15 people were killed there, along oh, with geez. many more injured. Right. Uh, in some places, the trailers were actually piled three high because the tornado just picked them up and then essentially dropped them oh, on top of each other. <laughs> There's nowhere to hide. Nowhere no. to run, nowhere to hide. Uh, in the trailer park, one infant named baby Kristen, she was one week old, and her grandmother was holding her when the tornado hit, and the wind mm-hmm. tore her from her grandmother's arms, mm-hmm. and she was found alive 100 meters away by a stranger uh, after the tornado went through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a tenth that, of a kilometer. <laughs> how do those stories keep happening? They always happen. It's, it's so ridiculous crazy. every time. I feel like you have one of those per episode. <laughs> right, yeah. And they were okay. Although I, I think the grandmother died, so good news, bad news. Well, well. but the week old baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good news, bad news. The baby was probably laughing the whole time. <laughs> probably. <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, I think there was a similar story in uh, when we talked about the tsunami that hit Japan. The one. The one that we talked about in episode four. Oh, that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a story about how like a baby was found just like floating on a mattress. Fine. <laughs> Jeez, oh, <laughs> entire it's, village it's is destroyed, but the baby's lucky. Like, baby, I'm not on a float, I guess. <laughs> Jeez. So the the baby's turned over to the police, who rush her to the hospital, and then Monique Gregor, the mother, mm-hmm. digs herself out of the rubble and is freaking out because she's looking for her baby. Her oh, mother is gone, obviously, so she's right, trying yeah. to find where her baby is. And then she's told that her daughter is alive and at the hospital. And then for oh. the next few weeks, uh, Kristen will battle brain swelling and uh, compromised lung but she makes a complete uh, recovery afterwards. Uh, the rare happy ending. Thank you, Craig. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the rare happy ending. Yeah. When we talk about you the Frank it. slide, I feel like a lot of those stories ended with, and then they all died. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What was it? I think stay in the hotel, was it? Or don't go to the hotel? I, stay I in the hotel. which it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is it? <laughs> I think it was stay in the hotel. Stay, stay in the in hotel, hotel, yeah, and then you'll yeah. live. Uh, So at this point, the the tornado begins to dissipate, and its reign of terror is over, but the damage is not. The storm's already flooded many streets and basements. Uh, Mm -hmm. It ruptured gas lines, triggered fires that burned throughout eastern portion of Edmonton. And in all, the tornado measured 1.3 kilometers at some point and was on the ground for 37 kilometers running straight through Edmonton. So how long did all this take? An hour. An hour. Wow. Wow. Jesus, that's a long, yeah. very long time. No, it's not the, the toll. <laughs> and I'm sure maybe you're going to get into this, but it's like an hour of this tornado just ravaging everything. And now we've got to rebuild all of yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. just leaving destruction behind it, which is, and yeah. the the crazy thing is, along with this tornado, 
There were several other tornadoes sighted around Edmonton. A F2 touched down near Beaumont. An F1 hit southeast Edmonton before going into the farmland. Uh, There were three F0s and another F2 touched down near Millet, which is about 45 minutes south of Edmonton, and it cost $40,000 damage. Oh, jeez. So this one storm produced four F0s, one F1, two F2s, and then the monster F4 Possibly F five. Okay, so respect to this storm. Yes. Yeah. We get, we were joking about the we were joking about the tornado not quite being an F five. The storm gets the credit, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. I brought all my friends. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How do you like that? Uh, oh so God. along with tennis ball sized hail falling in some places, it also <sighs> dropped three hundred millimeters of rain, which is an insane amount. Oh, is that all? Three hundred yeah. millimeters. Yes. Good lord. So there was a flood, too. Yeah, exactly. Good. Sweet. Sidebar on the damage. Please. Mm. The Belmont (laughs) drive-in had its screen thrown quite a distance through a field. So I think they went out of business afterwards. Uh, Because nobody was going to drive-ins to begin with at that time. (laughs) The thing we show the movie on is gone. What do we do? No, I think they were in 87. I've never seen movies in drive-ins. Oh, maybe. No, I'm just saying the screen was gone. They had nothing. Oh, well, sure. I definitely saw movies in drive-ins in the 90s. Yeah. I also realize now it's very eerily similar to that scene in Twister where they're literally watching a drive-in movie. Oh, I think they were watching yeah. Wizard of Oz or something. Right. Uh, it's very on the nose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the God, tornado comes through. Of course through. they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Kennendale Ravine, a 330-meter-long, 4-meter by 8-meter buried oval-shaped corrugated steel storm sewer was sucked flat due to the pressure of the uh, tornado going over. <laughs> so crap. it's underground, and it's just... <laughs> flat oh my gosh <laughs> the cn railway had several cars derailed and leaks from tank cars containing propane was reported <laughs> most of this is in the uh the refinery row a central fabricators they had a 10 minute warning which saved the workers at the site and there was major damage to cranes and building but its steel frame prevented the entire structure from being lifted off the ground Nice. Nice. At the Stelco Steel Mill, it suffered $12 million in damage. Its overhead cranes were thrown around, and the main 300-meter-long building was severely damaged. (sighs) Life-ruining shit. Life-ruining, and it's just like, again... We say this so many times, but nature being like, and I'll fuck up all your shit over here. Yeah. And bye. <laughs> See you later. I was here for two minutes. <laughs> Not because I hate you, just because it was in my way. Yeah. yeah. No, it's exactly. like uh, I was playing playing with my son earlier today. He's three. We built some stuff out of blocks, and then he just kind of like <laughs> knocked it over. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't just like spend that, five minutes on that. People so. and businesses and stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to uh, add insult to injury, ample chemical spills of ammonia and other contaminants were reported, mm. many of which went into the storm drains, which goes straight into the North Saskatchewan River and then into the Hudson Bay and all the way out to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Whoa. Great West Steel had its large steel framed warehouse scattered. And this one is a weird one. Buyers Transport lost several buildings and dozens of trucks, but a sub-basement saved employees. But they had a radioactive shipment that went missing. It's just gone. I couldn't find anything saying they found it. Uh. (laughs) But it did prompt an investigation. I don't know where this radioactive stuff is anymore or what happened to it or it rained down on somebody. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I know where it is. It's in a time-traveling train built by Doc Brown at the end of episode (laughs) part three. That's where exactly. it is. 
Mystery <laughs> solved. <laughs> uh, Lee Mason Tools would have its three-section reinforced concrete building destroyed, but because inside the building they had a lot of their equipment and such, the building collapsed, but it collapsed onto all this big equipment, which actually mm. saved the people who were actually inside the building. Oh, oh hey. Nice. Nice. Which would have, you know, bar. that would have been, made me crap my pants if a concrete building was falling <laughs> down and it got stopped right above me. <laughs> yup. <laughs> oh, are we alive? <laughs> uh, the, the not sawmill and lumberyard was not so lucky. The 24 meter concrete roof collapsed, which created difficulties in getting to the injured because there was all these big giant pieces of concrete that had to be moved. Right. Shit. The CN Railway had a locomotive and a train of loaded cars take a direct hit, which sent them flying across the area. And one empty boxcar actually fell onto a train crew. Oof. I'm assuming they didn't make it out. Trains flying through the air. So the tornado killed 27 people and it injured as many as 600, which makes it the deadliest tornado in Canadian history after the Regina Cyclone of 1912, which killed 20. Side note, I did an episode on that back in July, if you want to check it out on my website. Hey, yeah. do that. Yes, please. Plug. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> it also left hundreds uh, homeless in the city, obviously. Well, of course, yeah. yeah. Damages were estimated at $332 million or $665 million today, making it one of the costliest disasters in Canadian history. Uh, one hour. And obviously, like <laughs> you mentioned, yeah, the emergency agencies of Edmonton, including the fire, ambulance, and police, had to quickly respond. The Department of National Defense put helicopters and ambulances on standby at CFB Edmonton. And the military also provided helicopters for the city of Edmonton and the deputy prime minister to survey the damage. Another common theme, other, you know, rallying around the recovery efforts. Yeah, yes. yeah. The bureaucracy that follows. Um, well, the fire department would find several issues with dealing with the disaster, uh, especially that one that large. So they did a report and they said that, and this actually leads to some massive changes, especially in Edmonton. Uh, mm -hmm. They said that radio traffic was a major issue because everybody's on the radio freaking out about this tornado. Um, mm -hmm. They needed a better system for registering the injured and missing. They wanted every, from now on every man to have an emergency flashlight uh, most likely on the helmet, and right. they wanted search crews to carry tape to avoid searching areas that had already been searched. These were things they didn't think of before, but now they uh, it's common practice. Yeah, okay. right. And then due to the tornado hitting the industrial area, uh, there was a worry over the dangerous goods contaminating, so they had dangerous good inspectors and environmental response team sent to the area. And in total, mm -hmm. the disaster response period was three weeks after the tornado. Wow. Okay. I don't know what to think about that, but that seems not that long based on the on the destruction that you've just yeah that was my thought too yeah <laughs> it seems like they expedited that shit it was the 80s they were all on yeah. cocaine and working fast okay <laughs> <laughs> and that's that sweet canadian cocaine cut with maple syrup there was good news from all of this good did come of it the emergency public warning system which today is the alberta emergency alert was actually created mm -hmm. in response to this disaster and so this response mm -hmm. system breaks into private and public broadcasts on radio and television as well as on our telephones i just had one uh, mm -hmm. a few days ago about a wildfire in my county uh, i wasn't near me but it comes through on our phones now and it alerts right. the public to mm -hmm. all disaster hazards as well as amber alerts sure perfect it also resulted in the first 
first implementation of the Doppler weather radar concept in Canada in the early 1990s. The Carvel radar is located just southwest of Edmonton and was one of three, one of only three Dopplers created in Canada. And now that's all part of the Canadian weather radar network, which began in 1998. So it was really uh, brought forward because of this tornado. But now on your phone, you can see storms approaching on the Doppler radar. Nice. Awesome. That yeah. seems very handy. Exactly. <laughs> and previously, meteorologists had to view satellite images, radar, and surface observations separately. But then after the storm, new software was developed for uh, allowing you to see a 3D picture of the atmosphere, taking all of that together. So you could just look at this one quick thing and kind of get an assessment of what was coming. Sweet. The last Alberta tornado to result in deaths was the Pine Lake tornado, which hit on July 14th, 2000 and killed 12 people, making it the fourth deadliest tornado in Canadian history. Jeez. Oh, and and that's the story of the Edmonton tornado. Holy crap. Yeah. Thanks for that. No problem. Another, um, I mean, I think maybe maybe I don't feel quite as devastated as other times. But on the other hand, yes, I do. Yes, I do. No, I do. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm, on further reflection. <laughs> I'm more well, like dumbstruck at the just the level of destruction and trying to picture this kilometer and change wind <laughs> tunnel barreling at you yeah right and, and you yeah. don't have you know the the molten uh iron raining down from the sky like you did for the halifax explosion but you do have <laughs> rail yeah. cars and other things falling from the sky <laughs> yeah. yeah non-molten yeah. iron yeah fused <laughs> iron <laughs> yeah I think like what, what it kept come what keeps coming to mind is that scene for me in uh in man of steel yeah, you ever, you ever see Man of Steel yep. when like the obviously all the cars are stuck in the tornado? Like I think that is. I've also seen Twister, right. but it's been longer it's since I've seen Twister. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that probably paints a pretty accurate picture of what it'd be like to stuck in be stuck in that, but oh yeah, not on that scale. It's just such a terrifying force of nature, mm-hmm. even more so maybe than a like something like a tsunami. Although maybe they're on the same sort of scale. I think so. For like for me looking up at like a tornado this giant thing that's it's like godzilla going up into the sky like it's a tsunami yeah uh, it's coming at you and it looks very large uh but this just seems like it's just this giant monster that's coming towards you yeah yeah and like you see it throwing you know your neighborhood around yeah (laughs) like it's nothing yeah (laughs) if you're seeing cars like defy physics you know like just being tossed (laughs) like when are you ever going to be faced with something like that it wouldn't register is real terrifying and i think i think that was also our first tornado on the show ever oh yeah maybe so nice canadian tornado awesome (laughs) yes holy crap that was terrifying (laughs) great i'm I'm glad i won't be able to sleep tonight thanks craig you're welcome (laughs) as always (laughs) um do you have any music to go with that i do um there's literally a song called tornado 87 by the alberta rural advantage i think it is it's actually a pretty decent song i quite like it what's that about uh, it's about this tornado that happened. I didn't oh, really no get way. into it. You know, it wasn't oh, about the tornado that killed the three children. If that's what you're asking. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, that would be sad. Too sad. Thanks for the reminder. No I worries. forgot about that one. But I thought that might be too on the nose, so I decided to go with Chubby Checker and the Twist. Nice, nice, more nice. nice. Even better. Oh, good stuff. And you probably heard uh, maybe maybe some of both of those just now. Yeah, why not? Because I like the rural Alberta advantage too. <laughs> Lee, how about you? Um, well, when Craig's on the show, I just it just gives me a chance to pick something Canadian. Yep. So uh, I went with one of my very favorite bands from Victoria, BC. They're called No Means No. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, progressive sort of punk rock, but almost like progressive rock at the same time. They were around throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000s, and I went with the song mm-hmm. appropriately titled The End of All Things. Nice. Yes. Good one. From uh, their <laughs> pretty Very much fitting. agreed upon best album, Wrong. <laughs> nice. Uh, and you probably heard a bunch of that just now as well. How about you, Peter? Similarly, because whenever Craig's on, I, I use it as an opportunity to focus on Canadian music. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite all-time bands is a band from Toronto called Do Make Say Think. Oh, yeah. Uh, nice they're one. like an instrumental band, uh, sort of like Mogwai if it was indie rock, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and my favorite album of theirs is an album called And Yet, And Yet from 2002. My favorite song on that is a is a song called Reitschule. It's a it's like the German word Reitschule. Okay. Uh, and I, I kind of picked it because uh, it kind of has starts off kind of mellow and then sort of swells and then kind of pulls back again and then swells again in a way that I imagined this story might. <laughs> yeah, right. Kind of <laughs> kind of didn't disappoint. So you're not wrong. <laughs> Do makes me think of had a special place in my heart for a long time, and I am glad I finally got an opportunity to recommend them. All right. Well, that was a disaster. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. You've really set the bar high for traumatizing us. Yeah, so <laughs> whenever we have you on next, you're going to have to come up with an even darker story. I, I, I'm trying. I, I keep trying to, you know, beat the Halifax explosion. I came in too strong with that one. Should have kept it for no, like man. a <laughs> <laughs> It is the one to beat, but I think you've, you've, you've done well. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, the best thing you can do is to tell a friend to listen and maybe don't do it under gale force winds that are going 500 kilometers an hour. Yeah. They've got their own uh, problems. But if you, if you see those come and run, as you've heard <laughs> just now, <laughs> try running. The, the next best thing you can do is to subscribe and leave a rating or review wherever you listen. You can also uh, keep up with us on social media at this disaster pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com and become a patron on our patreon.com slash this disaster pod. We get tons of bonus content micro disasters every two weeks and the like we also have our shirts up for sale at shop.thisdisasterpod.com you can go on there and pre-order them or at least do a back order and that's kind of how our pre-orders work at the moment and i think that's pretty much it other than check out all of craig's content because it is amazing start with canadian history x that's what got me hooked yeah uh and you'll hear about all of his other ongoing projects like from john uh, to justin and canada's great war i haven't checked what i haven't had a chance to check that one out yet but I look forward to it because the First World War is uh, kind of a minor obsession of mine. So I think it's going to be yep. pretty awesome. <laughs> pretty fascinating. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, check all, all of those out. And in the meantime, we'll see you in our next major disaster. Bye. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.